Crude oil is crude. Natural gas is pure. That's why Pennzoil's base oil is made from natural gas, not crude. It gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil. Based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. Welcome to The Jump. We are coming to you live overlooking Staples Center and the massive tribute that has sprung up on the plaza below us. Fans have been gathering here since news of Kobe's death broke, and you can see the massive amounts of flowers, signs, pictures, an entire city in mourning. We'll discuss all of that. But first, I'm Rachel Nichols, Dave McMenamin, our Lakers insider, Matt Barnes, who played with Kobe, won a championship up at Golden State. Thank you guys both for being here today. So much to cover and discuss what's going on in the league now in the wake of Kobe's death as everyone is starting to try to pick back up the pieces. First, take a look here. They keep playing NBA games, and technically they still count, but it doesn't feel like it. How does anything in basketball matter right now? So many players thick with so much grief, it feels like they might drown. Some of them just couldn't do it. Chris Paul sat out. Kyrie Irving sat out. The entire Lakers franchise is still so gutted, the NBA is postponing tonight's scheduled game against the Clippers. LeBron, who passed Kobe on the all-time scoring list hours before his death, clearly also still reeling. He made his first public comments on Instagram, quote, I'm not ready But here I go. Man, sitting here trying to write something, every time I begin crying, thinking about you, Gigi, the friendship, bond, brotherhood we had. I literally just heard your voice Sunday morning before I left Philly. Didn't think for one bit in a million years it would be the last conversation we'd have. I'm heartbroken, LeBron wrote. Devastated. Man, I love you, big bro. My heart goes to Vanessa and the kids. I promise I will continue your legacy, man. You mean so much to all of us here at Laker Nation. It's my responsibility to put this stuff on my back and keep it going. Give me strength from the heavens above. I've got us here. There's so much more I want to say, LeBron continued, but just can't because I can't get through it until we meet again. At the Super Bowl, they were also talking about Kobe. Here's Richard Sherman. You know, I was really sad yesterday, and I was sad this morning. I was kind of down. I I was in the dumps, and then I just thought about what he would tell me, you know what I mean? He would tell me to stop being a baby and man up and, and, and play it and do it in his honor and, and win his game for him. We also heard from Jason Terry, who battled Kobe for 17 years in the league, but on Sunday was scheduled to coach against him. Yes, it was Jets' daughter's AAU team that was supposed to play Kobe's daughter's team in the game that he'd been flying in that helicopter for. I ran up to the first official I could see and told him, look, there's no more basketball. We cannot play another game uh, today. Kobe has passed away. And immediately the ball stopped bouncing. Everyone converged on one of the courts. And we all just gathered around, got on one knee. At UConn, they honored 13-year-old Gianna Bryant, who used to tell anyone that would listen she was going to be a Husky one day. In New York, fans took Bryant Park subway sign and renamed it. In the basketball-mad Philippines, artists painted a mural, the country's famous tenement court, covered with Kobe. And here at the Staples Center, there have been tears shed, stories told, and, yes, a trash can set up to do what we all do every time we have a piece of paper to throw away, ball it up, and yell, Kobe! Really, it seems like everywhere you look, there is only one thing that everyone can talk about. What did he mean to you? Oh, man. 
You know, growing up in L.A., um, I don't even know if I can do this. Ladies and gentlemen, yesterday we lost one of the greatest athletes of all time. And the Pistons, as they were introduced, wore either number 24 or number 8. A 24 second violation in honor of number 24. It was really hard to play today for me. I broke down after the first quarter. Triple double for Bam Adebayo. Uh, I'm going to dedicate this one to Kobe, man. That's, uh, that's my role model. Oddly enough, for 24, has 42. Everybody know how much Kobe meant to me. All I know growing up was Kobe Bryant. If you inspire one person, you live like a positive, successful life. You inspired. He deserves a round of big applause. Um, yeah. Coco Goff with the Mamba mentality on her shoes. I wore the number 24 in high school. I wore Kobe Bryant basketball shoes because Kobe Bryant, he was the reason I played sports. The basketball world, we lost. We lost one of our greats. And, and I don't just mean that by what he did on the court. Uh, but just the way he lived his life. He was going on this journey with his daughter, and I think we could all we could all feel that it was going somewhere special. And I'll sit there and watch Gigi, and before the game, I'll go up and I'll give Gigi a hug and tell her, you know, to go out there and kill. And she was like, don't worry about that, Uncle Mac. I got this. Just to watch her play was like watching a young Kobe. We still are the best duo ever created. I wish it 60 and 70. In the old folks' home or on the show, we could talk about it. Wow. Watching all those people so sad and wounded, it gives you an idea of just how enormous the task ahead is for the NBA. Figuring out a way to properly honor Kobe, and then to go on to make basketball feel like it matters again. I don't know how we'll get there, but I know we have to. Because Kobe loved basketball, and we're not going to let him down. Matt, I'm standing here looking at all of the people below us, thousands of flowers. What about for the players? Could you have played a basketball game on Sunday like the Denver Nuggets and Houston Rockets did an hour or so after getting this news or even yesterday? Uh, it would have been tough. Um, you know, I played a day after my mom died. And in the moment, you're good. But as soon as the whistle blows, as soon as you shoot a free throw, as soon as you're subbed out, your mind immediately goes back to what's hurting um, and I know, like I said, the, the basketball world is hurting, the world is hurting, but, you know, what I'm hurting over more is the father, the man, the friend, the brother, and Vanessa, and the Bryant family, what they're trying to separate and sort out right now. It's so hard because most of us, you can, but the rest of us can't really relate to being a professional basketball player or what it would be like to be Kobe Bryant out on that court, but so many of us can relate to what it feels like to be a parent, right? right? Yeah. And I think that's the idea that maybe he was holding Gianna as, I, it just, I can't finish the sentence, but yeah. that for any parent to think about that, it's very hard. Like I said, I, I think that, you know, we've all been celebrating his greatness on the court. And I think he and I, through our ups and downs, not really downs, but mm -hmm. how we became friends and brothers, we connected on a father level. And, you know, I'm a very outspoken father. I've gone through a lot to be able to be with my kids and father my kids. And he was just always so proud when he spoke of his daughters. We always had a back and forth ongoing. He had his two daughters. I had my twins. And then we became teammates. So he always took my boys in as if they were his. 
But as Bianca was, you know, as uh, Vanessa was pregnant with Bianca, I would shoot him a jab like another girl. <laughs> and then I got pregnant with my third son, Ashton, or my, 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 uh, his mom was mm-hmm. pregnant. And then Capri, you know, then Vanessa got pregnant with Capri, and I text him like another girl, and he wrote in bold letters, God has a, a, a sick sense of humor. Yes. <laughs> a heart next to it. You know what I mean? So he was completely content with having all girls. I think Vanessa might have been the one that wanted that boy. That's what it sound, always sounded like. But he was, you know, Gigi was his little road dog, and Gigi was the one that was going to carry that name along, and it's just to, to know that they're both gone in, in, in a snap of fingers is really hard to swallow. Absolutely. And, and as I said, some players sitting out, Chris Paul, Kyrie Irving, just not able to get themselves together enough to play. Spencer Dinwiddie of the Nets has announced that he is changing his number, uh, going from number eight, one of Kobe's numbers, to he is going to now use 26, an addition of two and six is eight, but he feels that he can't wear Kobe's number anymore. Guys, Mark Cuban tweeted out that no Mavericks player will ever wear 8 or 24. He's just unilaterally retiring them in his organization. Dave, what do you think should happen to players around the league who have these numbers? I don't think the league has to retire it. I am all for the league bending the rules. Usually you have to apply about a year ahead of time. Any player wants to do it within this window, please go for it and we'll, we'll take care of it on the back end. Actually, the Dinwiddie could be interesting. I was thinking about 26. It might be 24 for Kobe plus two for Gigi. Right. Um, which, what an honor that would be. But um, a, a mandate I don't think is necessary. You know, Miami Heat hired 20, uh, retired 23. Pat Riley for Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. Um, Mark Cuban stepped in with this. Any team that wants to adopt that policy, I think that's great. But I don't think you have to make it a mandate. Yeah. Well, this has hit the Nets as much as any of the teams. Kevin Durant was talking today. Take a listen to him on Kobe Bryant. Just having that, that time and those moments with Kobe, it was always about pressing forward. You know what I mean? And I think at this time it's so hard to do so with just the amount of impact that he had on all of us. You know, It's, it's hard to, to keep going right now, but as a basketball community, as the world is, as a whole, I know we're all just mourning and sticking together when it comes to this. But Kobe Bryant was just a, just a joy to be around. You know, it was just, you display every emotion when he was around him. You know, as a competitor, you hated playing against him. You know, as a, somebody that admired him, you just loved being in his presence. It was just, just one of those things as a, as a young hooper, he meant the world to us funny to hear him say you saw every emotion that's something i wanted to ask you about dave and and you got both sides of it too i remember early in kobe's career i would tease him because when we would talk off to the side or after a game he would laugh and smile and be himself but you didn't see that publicly early on publicly you saw the scowling angry kobe bryant and i asked him about it once early on and he said oh can't ever let can't ever let him see it's our secret can't ever let him see that that i'm like this for real but later in his career after you joined the lakers and dave was the day-to-day beat writer on that team mm-hmm. he did change a little bit it seemed after the achilles injury he was more willing to let people see those sides of his emotions as kd kind of referenced the whole thing yeah that certainly was a softer side also i think there was a recognition of his place in the game mm-hmm. You know, for instance, when he was still pre-Achilles injury and just thriving and striving and becoming a killer on the court, he was spending time in the summer with Akeem Olajuwon. And right. Akeem Olajuwon was giving him his knowledge and saying, here, 
I, I, it did me so much good in the game. Now take it to the next level. Mm-hmm. And I think he learned a lesson from that and did the same thing with guys like Russell Westbrook and James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, um, Giannis. He, he kind of chose the guys around the league and wanted to be a part of their journey because I think that allows him, you know, of course, the tough choice of words, but it allows him to live on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I asked him during the podcast, you know, having his place in history. I mean, and knowing the former greats, and I've never seen anyone open up their arms like Kobe has. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You mentioned some of the greats, but it wasn't just the greats. It was everybody. Yeah. You know, you would see NFL players, Major League Baseball players, and NFL, and uh, NBA players at the Mom Academy, way in the hell out in the middle of nowhere. Yes. You really got to love Kobe to drive yes. an hour and a half just to get your work in, just to get your treatment in, just to become better. And that was something he took pride in because I asked him, I'm just like, what? drove you to do that and he just said the greats before me did he mentioned Jerry West he mentioned Bill Russell he mentioned Kim Elijah he mentioned a whole list of guys that really opened up their mind and hearts to him and he felt like he needed to pay it forward by doing it for everyone not just the stars yeah I mean uh, we showed a video yesterday of myself and Tracy McGrady at the Mamba Academy where we sat and told some old stories with Kobe but what stuck out to me also about that day is they did have NFL draft pick hopefuls there, working out in the back. It really seemed like everybody uh, wanted to touch some of that Mamba they magic. They gravitated right? to it. I mean, if they could take a small piece of Kobe's mind and apply it to their game, they were going to uh, up their game, and they knew that. And all sports gravitated to the Mamba Academy. All right. Well, it wasn't just other professional athletes. Kobe Bryant, of course, an AAU coach. Uh, we're going to take a look at his transformation from superstar player to dad coach. He wasn't the only ex-player paying it forward. But he certainly did it well. First, though, here's our distant replay from this day. Kobe Bryant. We're going to take look a look back at one of his iconic moments in Lakers history. Mm. I was in my... parents it's about truly understanding the connection between life and sport you know you got to let kids be kids (laughs) let them have fun help them find their own way Uh, when those answers becomes things that they find on their own it's something that they own versus us uh, telling them what they should be doing or telling them what they should be feeling just go out and have fun with them Right, just be imaginative. You know, say, get, you know, give her the ball and say, "Listen, you got 10 seconds left. I'll count down from 10. You know, hit a game-winning shot. Uh, things like that. Sport can, is the greatest metaphor that we have for life, and it's important that we treat it as such." Oh man, how many kids in their own driveway counting down from 10 and pretending to be Kobe and? Kobe's doing it with his own daughter. It is that Kobe, the father, that are so many people have come here to mourn. You see people milling around the plaza. We're looking over it right now, right outside the Staples Center. And we'll show you throughout the show just the mounds of flowers and posters and heartfelt messages that people are leaving for Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gianna, and the entire Bryant family. They have giant boards set up for people to write, and they can't bring out new ones fast enough. They're all getting covered up. I do think, and we talked about it a little bit in that last segment, it is his connection to Gigi that has touched an even more raw nerve than if this had happened no. with just him. 
and I want to get back to the fact that he coached her team. We know that kids of basketball players play basketball. That's happened a lot through the years. We have multi-generational NBA families in the league. But this idea of the players actually coaching their kids, it feels like it's risen. And Matt, you coach your sons. Right. What interactions did you have with Kobe, the coach dad, with you being the coach dad? I mean, I mean, that's where we saw each other. We'd probably see each other every two weeks um, at a tournament. You know, his daughter's 12 or 13, or she was 13. Um, the boys are 11, you know, so Kobe would always make an effort to come out there and watch my kids play. And they would go crazy, like, oh, they would see Kobe over there. And the, the game would rise. <laughs> um, but just to see him, and, and we talked about it on my podcast, that was one of the things I asked him about was coaching her. And he said the love that Gigi found for the game gave him the love back to the game to start watching the game and, and taking her to games and, and get back involved in it. But to see him on the sideline and the courts had to be roped off because everyone just wanted to get a look at him and wow. see how amazing his daughter was and how amazing their team was. Their team was amazing. But he was a drill sergeant, just like Kobe we played with. They, I'm like, how, much, how often do you guys practice? Like, we, we try to practice once a week. Oh, no, five days a week. Five days a week. My he was running his 13-year-old they, girls' team through five-day-a-week practices? They ran the triangle. They, did they ran. The, the, these 13-year-old <laughs> girls ran the triangle. You know what I mean? So to see him, but we'd also, you know, I'm going to Did they get it podcast. better than the Knicks they did when it. Phil Jackson tried they to institute it, you know, it there? They ran it. They ran it to a T, but I refer to my podcast a lot because we just spoke, but yeah. I asked And we'll play him, a little bit of it later in the show, Yeah, for I, sure. I, I asked him about it, and the one thing he said was, you know, as he mentioned that last clip, he, he sat back with his coaches and asked questions. He liked his girls and his teams to figure out stuff on their own because when they figure it out on their own, similar how Phil Jackson used to never call timeout so we would be getting blown out. He wanted us to figure it out. Right. Kobe carried that over to coaching because he figured once they get it, it's ingrained in them instead of us having to tell them. So he said we probably could have won more games, although I don't really recall them losing that much. Right. <laughs> he would allow his girls to sit back out there and go out there and figure it out on their own because that's when it really becomes ingrained in their minds. I want to know, did your teams... Do they run the baseline out of bounds ball fake? Has <laughs> that happened? We yet? haven't we haven't implemented that yet, but it, it definitely could. In his honor, we may be able to implement that. Uh, and but also, have, did you see a different side of Kobe in that setting? I I, I just. I just, when he spoke, like, when, Kobe's very passionate, but you can tell when he's pa- very in love and passionate about something, his mannerisms, his, his tone, his eyes, everything right. changes. So when he spoke on Gigi and the love he had for her picking up the game and picking it up fast and the love he had for those other girls, it was a different kind of conversation. Like, you really gravitated and listened to it because he had anything he was passionate about, he put his absolute all in, and, and coaching his daughter was one of those things. And he was very competitive about his daughter's game. He got in a little hot water I think it was last year for a social media post where he was basically encouraging that his kids had run up the score on another team because that other team had beaten them so handily a year oh. or so before I think they beat the, the, the in the latest game his girls beat the other team by a hundred points <laughs> um, and he got a little flack for that but that was Kobe that Bryant was, right? I mean I remember him years ago watching the college football national championship game and I think it was the Alabama uh, was playing Florida State, perhaps, mm-hmm. and there was a fight between Alabama players, a little bickering. Mm-hmm. And he loved it. Right. He said, that's what you need. <laughs> like, it's the heat of battle. Everything's on the line. You have to stick up for your teammate and do what you're supposed to do, do your job. Mm-hmm. And that, to, like, that was music to his ears to see that because then they got it right and executed. Yeah, absolutely. Again, Kobe the dad. If that's our lasting memory of him, I think that's okay. Coming up in the show, we are going to discuss a little bit about LeBron's feelings about Kobe Bryant, the Instagram post he put up, and what responsibility he feels going forward. Stay tuned. 
I think he's the GOAT. Low key, low key. <laughs> I think he's the GOAT. Speak your mind. Back in the time, the Kobe vs. AI matchups. Kobe vs. McGrady, all crazy, man. He's the Black Mamba. As soon as he gets the bite in the shirt, Whoo, gets that look. Always been a fan. Especially when you was number eight, man. You had to throw. It used to be lopsided sometimes when you sweat, but that was okay because you was putting up 81. So you really going to give... Jalen Rose and Toronto Raptors, 81 buckets. 81. 81 buckets. 81. Did they even double team you that game? It didn't matter. You can't talk about the Lakers and not mention Kobe Bryant. That's impossible. The guy has five rings. You have five rings. You gave us five rings. What I love about you is your indifference to how people view you. You're a gangster on the court, off the court. You tell it how it is. 24, the Black Mamba, you're the best, man. You're the best. I see a hero doing all kinds of impossible things on the court. You're the definition of passion about the game, and you know, it's all I've really known is just you being a Laker and playing for the city and the team. We love you, Kobe! Kobe, you're my favorite player. I knew he going to take off. Kobe, I'm going to miss you. Not only are you leaving as a legend, but a god. In my eyes, you the GOAT. Kobe, Kobe, It's just Kobe. You can't say anything. Thank you, Kobe. You're a legend, bro. You are our strength, Kobe. You mean to L.A. what... Water means to the human body. We all love you forever. Thank you as a Laker fan, as an L.A. native. They want to extrañar Kobe Bryant. He sacrificed everything for us, and we love it. You mean the world to us, man. You mean everything to us, you know. You are a hero. The whole city of L.A. is proud of you, man. Kobe, for the love of the game, thank you. Our friends at SportsCenter produced that just before Kobe's final game. All sorts of fans chiming in to show their love. And you can see it happening all over again right now. This was just a spontaneous place for this tribute to spring up. It's not like anyone said gather outside the Staples Center. But the scene right below us, it's why we're broadcasting outside today. It is incredible to see the attachment that these fans have. An entire city in mourning and neither of you guys was born here but you both lived here for a very long time what do you think it is going to take because right now i just walk around la and it just feels like everyone's the kind energy of shock. is off the vibe is off but but do you feel i mean do you think it's how how long is it going to take for, for a while you know I, I think one of the fans said it you know kobe is to la what water is to the human body <laughs> you know kobe is everything you know the world lost a superhero like i said yesterday a uh, uh, superstar player but L.A. lost a superhero. You know, he embodied everything from the player, the man, the father, the businessman, everything that people would strive to be, you know, whether you're playing or you're in business. Like, his mindset and approach inspired so many more people than just athletes. I mean, looking down at this scene, it reminds me of the 2016 Cavs championship parade. I was riding on the back of a float with Kyrie Irving, and he was looking at the expanse of one million-plus people in downtown Cleveland. And he said, one man can change the world, talking about LeBron. Sure. Damn it, is that ever true when you look at what's happening here Absolutely. in L.A.? Kobe Bryant has changed this city, changed this country, changed the world. Absolutely. And LeBron is one of the few other people who can talk about what that burden feels like, that opportunity feels like to influence so many people. He did take to Instagram his first public comments about Kobe Bryant. 
And one of the sentences that just stuck out to everyone, Dave, is that he made a promise in that post to carry on Kobe's legacy. He said, it's my responsibility now. What do you think he meant by that? I I think he's stepping into the void. And he's saying, I know this city is hurting. I know this organization is hurting. I know individuals in our locker room are hurting. I'm built for this. Follow my lead. And not to go back to 2016 Cavs again, but... You know, it wasn't life and death, but it was a dire basketball situation. Down 3-1 mm-hmm. to the greatest regular season team of all time. About to get on a flight to Oakland. And he says, get me game five. I got you the rest of in the game way. seven. Yep. So I think that his message is saying, Laker fans, stay on board. Right. Um, City of Los Angeles, there's going to be some relief coming your way. Because we're, we're going to give you a, a show to watch, and uh, you know, so you can forget about your troubles a little bit. It is amazing, by the way, when they show that shot of Dave, and you see right behind him is these giant screens are all over the plaza. You see Kobe and Gianna looking down on all of us. Matt, what do you think in terms of LeBron and and his, quote, responsibility that he feels now? I think if anyone could do it, it's him. You know, the way he ended up here. You know, I know he talked to Kobe in that process, and uh, he's always been welcoming. You know, right when LeBron got here, it was the who's who's the greatest, who's this, who's this. Kobe's the greatest Laker. I think everybody knows that. But I think if anyone can take on the challenge of helping heal this city, helping heal this organization, uh, LeBron James, I think, could do that. It's interesting because we had a topic of conversation on our show maybe a month or so ago of who is the greatest Laker, right? And, of course, it's a different thing. The greatest player to ever put on a Laker uniform is probably Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or LeBron James. The greatest Laker... Was there was a real split on our set of Magic Johnson versus Kobe Bryant, but Magic Johnson came out immediately uh, the morning that Kobe died, saying, "This, it's him. Yeah. He is the greatest Laker. He is the one." Well, I think LeBron. I mean, excuse me. I think Kobe is the greatest player and the greatest Laker. You know, you know, being able to say, "Man, that's all due respect to Kareem and to Magic and what they did." But what Kobe took on and embraced. Obviously, after he won his first three titles with Shaq and the way he had to reinvent himself as a man and as a player to rally these troops up and win two more. And then I came in 2010 and we were going for a three-peat. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. But I think the evolution of Kobe, you know, I, I talked to him as if he was ours because he came here at 17 as a kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we watched him grow up from, I remember being in my UCLA dorm room where he's going to pick Finesse up in high school in a Lamborghini and helicopters were following him. <laughs> You know what I mean? So all the ups and downs, the goods and the bads, like we saw him become the superhero in front of our eyes. And I think that's why it's so hard for all of these people in L.A. to accept this fact that him and his daughter are gone. Because, like I said, he was he was ours. All these people behind us, Dave, I'm not going to put all of them in the same category, but a lot of them probably had some mixed feelings when LeBron came. And we remember seeing the murals that went up around L.A. because there was sort of Kobe and LeBron side by side. But. We saw people Xing out they LeBron, right? <laughs> they right yeah, they, that, there right? was, and uh, Kobe did a lot to change that perception. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he did a little bit to feed into it before LeBron officially came to Lakers. Right. <laughs> I remember uh, when the Cavs made the finals in 2018 and beat the Boston Celtics. There was a lot of talk of Jordan and, and LeBron, LeBron being the greatest, and Kobe kind of jumped in that yeah. conversation on Twitter. <laughs> I we remember. Did, what did he say? He goes, "Everyone's arguing about whether LeBron, me, or Michael <laughs> yeah, are the greatest." The and it was sort of like, "Are people arguing about that?" Right. But he—he—that's what he did. And, and he told and Coward that Beck, confidence is right. what we loved about of him. Course. And he, he had a case. Of course he did. No of course he did. He, he's uh, no question a, a top ten, if not top five player of all time. But he told Howard Beck, "You know, when you come to Lakers, you better win a championship." Right. Yes. But, 
as soon Ray as Lillian he LeBron put on that number 23 uniform, mm-hmm. everything changed. Right. And he embraced him, and he came to games, and he sat courtside, and he consulted with Rob Palenka trying to help him make this team better. And the way he went above and beyond to really make LeBron feel welcome and special with passing him in the all-time scoring list yes. just this past Saturday, um, he wanted to set the tone for Lakers fans and teach them how they should embrace this current team. Yeah, I mean, how gracious he was Saturday night. Such a credit to him. And to have that be his last sort of public act, I think, is pretty amazing. So we've been having this conversation about LeBron and what's going to change for him. You had a conversation off camera with one of the favorite players of all three of us sitting here, Mr. Gilbert Arenas. And he had kind of interesting comments on that too, right? Yeah, he said, uh, you know, he's become uh, reconnected with Kobe through the AAU circuit or youth basketball circuit. And Kobe had a conversation with him, and this is speaks to the impact that Kobe could have on yeah. a number of individuals. And he said, you have so much knowledge mm. with the game. you got to give it back to mm-hmm. the next generation. Keep doing what you're doing with youth basketball, but find an outlet for it. Mm-hmm. And I've known Gilbert for years, and I was you know, DMing him about Kobe's passing, and, and he said, you know, i got to do it. i got to listen to him. No more wild gill. It's time for me to do what the man asked me to do for the game of basketball. And um, you know, I know Matt knows him really well. <laughs> I, I, I'm really excited if that does come to yeah. fruition. Well, as we were talking about off camera, I mean, there's a lot of similarities to their approach and their sickening love for the game yes. and their work ethic. And both detail. of those guys, both of them incredible. Are so Gilbert, well, you know, Gilbert had a bad ending to what could have been an amazing career, but as far as his approach and knowing what all the work he put in. Very similar. And then you see someone like 50 Cent, who is probably one of the biggest trolls on Instagram. I'm Mm -hmm. one of them, too. (laughs) But, you know, him saying that Kobe touched him and there's no more trolling and it's about business now. Like I said, Kobe touched so many more than just athletes. Um, His thought process and his approach to life is I you know it resonated with everybody. Now I'm more likely to believe either one of them than I was when I sat across from Joel Embiid a few <laughs> months ago and he said I'm never going to trash talk again and that lasted what like 3 weeks. <laughs> I don't expect Gilbert Arenas to change his entire personality, but the idea that he could take something that Kobe said to him with him and having this moment he has a lot to offer. Thing yeah. th- that sends him forward into just you know not not a slightly opposite path but a different turn and curve of his path. I think we'll see that with a lot of players, sure. right? And, and the fact that a peer yes. looked up to him. Yes. Like that says something about Kobe. There was yep. a there was something about him, something about his work ethic and his approach that garnered universal respect. Yep. You know, even when Shaq and Kobe weren't getting along, the respect factor was always yeah. there. Well, I mean that's what you see as, you know, Kobe wasn't a vocal leader. Kobe was do-as-I-do type leader. Like, he gave his absolute all, diving on the floor, doing whatever it took, took charges. So it almost made you, if you're, I mean, you see the greatest player doing that. It's like he doesn't have to say anything to you. He'll give you the when he wants the ball. Right. You know, but outside of that, you just know if he goes as hard as he can, why in the hell aren't you going as hard as you can? I imagine if you're a Kobe teammate, you hear that in your sleep because you hear it so often in real life. Dave, thank you so much for joining us. Dave will be with the Lakers for the rest of the week and back here on the jump as well to kind of encapsulate this coverage and the story that keeps on going. Zach Lowe is going to join us next and coming up we're going to talk a little bit about Kobe's global impact on the game and also what the NBA does from here because moving forward it seems impossible and necessary all at the same time.
6 o'clock Eastern, SportsCenter's continuing coverage of Kobe Bryant's tragic passing and tragic during the life of the five-time champion, MVP, legendary sports figure, and family man. Now here's Kobe when he recorded the All the Smoke podcast with our Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson. Who are some of the younger players or, or players in the league right now that you do follow when you get a chance to watch? You know what's funny? I wound up, so before Gigi got into basketball, I hardly watched it. But now that she's in the basketball, we watch, it's, it's on she every night. She wants to watch it, too. It's on every night. I love it. It's yeah. on every night. And, and, I mean, every game. I mean, she she asked me to get the league pass on her phone and everything. Oh, like she's she, all, yeah. She watches I love it. everything. So, you know, we'll watch. She like she likes watching Trey Young a lot. She watches Luca a lot. She watches James. She watches Russ. I mean, she watches Brian. It's amazing. And when I took it to the Laker game, that's the first Laker game I've been to, I think, since my jersey retirement. Really? Mm-hmm. And... Um, we just had so much fun because for the first time I was seeing the game through her eyes. Uh, it wasn't me sitting there, you know, as an athlete or a player or something like that. And then, you know, it's, it's like about me and I don't like that. It was her. Like she was having such a good time and the players were coming up and saying right. hi to her. And, right. you know, and Brian was talking about her fadeaway and all, you know, it, it was it was exciting. And she had such a great time and as a father. I mean, you just That's all you want. That's yes, all you can ask for. Yeah. You and Vanessa have been going for 20 years. Yeah. Tell me what that mean with with the height of your career and who you are. How? What, what's your guys' secret sauce, man? Uh, no, nothing's perfect, but you guys have seen to make it work. Just just commitment and competitiveness of we are going to succeed. You know, like we've seen uh, couples that have been like 85 years old. You know, old, and, you, uh, and you look uh, and you're uh, like, oh man, such an old sweet couple. You know, and all sorts of stuff. And I'd go and I'd talk to them because I want to know. And, <laughs> One at a time, the guy goes, yeah, it's great, but, I mean, she just kicked me out of the bed last night. I was still on the couch last <laughs> two nights. <laughs> I'm like, it don't change, man. It right. don't change. I've been married, you know, 70-something years, You're man. Right. It doesn't change. So it's a constant up and down, the ebb and flows of relationships. But that's also the beauty of it and having the persistence and the determination to work through things. Very, very tough things. And uh, we've been able to do that. Oh, man, it's fun to hear Kobe laugh. We are overlooking the plaza here in front of the Staples Center, bringing to you live this memorial that has sprung up honoring Kobe Bryant. I'm Rachel Nichols, now joined by our insider, Zach Lowe, still with Matt Barnes. And I've said it many times on the show, Matt, All the Smoke podcast airs visually on Showtime. You can also download it on your phone. It's fantastic. Stephen Jackson's wonderful. You guys get everybody to come talk to you. I love love Kobe there yes. because especially about Vanessa the idea that they were competitive even about yeah. we're going to be the best old couple yes. ever yeah I mean you see like I said I, I think you see the energy and, and passion when he's in love with something mm-hmm. you know the way he speaks about his kids the way he spoke about his wife it, it it gives me chills now because he was in he was just so he called it family time he was psychotic in his words about his family time right. about being able to shower his daughters about being able to drop them off at school the reason why he got a helicopter in the first place is because he didn't want to be stuck in this traffic, missing quality time with his girls, knowing that he had to go on a road trip soon. So that's why he was choppering back and forth how we drive cars, because he didn't want to miss those precious moments he had with his kids because he had such a rigorous schedule. Yeah, um, he used to come back from a road trip. You guys would sometimes get back in the middle of the night, wake up, take his kids to school in the morning. And as you said, then cut the commuting time by taking the helicopter to be able to come to Lakers practice. 
And I like that he addressed in that podcast, too, that he was very honest that, that it's about a commitment. It's a work in progress yes. with marriage. Their marriage had a very high-profile yes. disruption to it. Um, very serious thing happened in Colorado. And then just afterward, trying to repair their relationship as husband and yeah. wife. And they kept working on it. But I think that's why people love Kobe because we got to see his, his good and bad, the flaws and all. You know what I mean? He would never claim to be perfect, never try to be perfect, but he was real. He made mistakes, but he admitted them. He tried to move on. He tried to better. He was looking for that next challenge. And I think that's what humanized him and made him relatable to the rest of the world. You had a very human moment with Kobe yourself, Zach. Well, it's funny to hear Matt talk about Kobe's enthusiasm, you know, when he would talk because my memory, my best memory of him was um, I got a text message out of the blue that just said, it's Kobe. Call me. <laughs> Did you really think it was Kobe or something? No, no, no. I, I, no, no I thought the opposite. I assumed it was a hoax and okay. I, was, I was being pranked by somebody. Right. And essentially, he ended up, he had found my stuff online and liked that I wrote about the X's and O's of the game. And he was very concerned, as this was two months before he retired, that NBA media was trending in a direction of trades and who hates who and melodrama and away from the game. So he invited. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know who's responsible for that. Um, but. Um, he invited me to watch an Eastern Conference Finals game at his office over beers mm-hmm. and awesome. just talked about the game. Talked to you, would stop and freeze the game. Say, you see Kyle Lowry's feet? You see how he's doing angling this and that? I'd be like, oh, uh, I, I missed that first time, Kobe. You're, you're teaching me. And he would talk about his plans for his post playing career in the media. Who knows how much money we would have paid him to be a talking head uh, on right, NBA yeah. Countdown? Who knows? He didn't want to do that. He wanted to reinvent the entire discourse of NBA media, which is what he was trying to do with detail. And, and stuff like that. And he would, I, your enthusiasm struck me because he, he was like coming out of his oh, chair yeah. talking about how he wanted to get archival footage of great Bill Russell games and build 30-minute documentaries and teach young fans like this is actually what it was like to watch Bill Russell play. And he was bouncing out of his chair. That was a very special night for me. When you're walking in to the office to sit down and break down a game with Kobe Bryant, what's going through your mind? That I know he did not <laughs> suffer fools and that I envision scenarios where he's like, throwing lingo at me and I'm like well, uh, can you slow down and he's like slow down get out of the office right. you're, get, 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 I don't you're have time for you you're picturing get him actually throwing you out yeah like like uh, on the Fresh Prince when they used to throw <laughs> his friend out yes. of the house I did like when you've told the story what you say relaxed you who walked into the office to, to give you a, a couple cans of beer is that right yeah an assistant brought in a six pack of beer which I was not expecting and Kobe <laughs> said you want to split this and watch the games I said I'm not going to say no right. to, to that sure let's let's have some drinks I don't know how many beers were in your film sessions but hearing Zach's story made me want to ask you Matt what was it like to be in team film sessions with Kobe would he let the coaches like sit back and run it or would he get involved I mean he, he, he inserted himself when he needed to um, you know one thing that I found when I first played him and I found out his, his evil genius his beautiful for mine, so to speak, was we were on a flight to Spain, and he was over there with his headphones on, jamming, and I'm hoping to myself, like, bro, I love you, but your last rap album was trash. I hope you're not writing raps. Right. You know what I mean? So I can't sleep. I don't know what time it is, so everyone else on the plane is asleep from in our little cabin. Yeah. So I go over there, and I see he has, like, 50 little courts drawn all over his, and I'm, I'm just like, what are you doing? He's like... I'm watching to see where you guys are going to be open. He's like, I look at, I don't look at the second defender. I look to see where the third defender and the other eyes are to know where you guys are going to be open in the triangle. And I'm new to the team. I'm like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> but I'm saying that's like a little kid. Like there's 50 little basketball courts and 50 different scenarios where he would look to see when he it. caught the ball at different points where we were going to be open on the court. And I think that just spoke to his psychotic desire to be the greatest. Like he... 
I say he, he was given a, a load of God-given talent, but he paid God back every every single day by how hard he worked, how hard he worked. Yep, and, and really believe that he knew how to do something the best, right? The famous quote about why would I pass the ball when no one's going to shoot it as well as yeah. me? There's a little bit of that too. Yeah. If he could have gotten some film assistant yeah. to break down and, and fill in things on those little There's basketball no courts, but he wanted to see yeah. it and do it himself. But he thought, he thought, if I work hard enough, I can find the answer to anything. To anything. Yes. You know, and I think that's what's crazy when you hear LeBron, you hear Kobe. I was someone who was a super Kobe fan because I want our best player to take the last shot no matter what. Because to me, it's still better than another shot for myself or someone else. Like, But see, uh, LeBron, on a different hand, his greatness is making the right play every time. So even if he passes to someone and they miss the final shot, LeBron is going to do it again because that's in his greatness. Kobe's greatness was if this thing is going to sink, it's going to sink on my shot or we're going to win on my shot. And that's what I love because we're going to live and die with what decisions he made. Yes. I will wrap up talking about your podcast, by the way, by saying I loved that in the shot over his shoulder were his Emmy and, and his, his Oscar. Mm-hmm. He was not going to let anyone forget no. that was part of his, his secondary life. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to show you our next distant replay here, and it's a special one. I like to think of these two guys maybe now sitting around talking basketball together. This is Stuart Scott's call of Kobe's 81-point game, and I want to note that this happened on NFL Championship Sunday, and yet this is what led SportsCenter that night. Here is the late, great Stuart Scott talking about the late, great Kobe Bryant. It's an NBA game where a guy does something that has not been done in 44 years. you got to see it to believe it. Lakers and the Toronto Raptors. Now, last time they met, Kobe Bryant had a seasonal 11 points. Second quarter, Chris Mann backdoor to Kobe, who just yokes it. Lakers, though, down 14 at recess. Second half, Kobe Bryant went off. Uh, command center, uh, command kangaroo boxer requesting permission to fire. Kangaroo boxer permission granted. 7 of 13 from three land. Late third quarter, Kobe. Half some, another three. Third quarter, some bunnies with a baduka dunk. Now fourth quarter, this is just straight silliness. Kobe Bryant, first player since Jordan in 87, two 60-point games in one season. Kobe Bryant, cut it out. Kobe Bryant, 79 points, most in a game in NBA history. There's the free throw that gives him 80, and then the free throw that gives him 81 points. 81. He took 46 shots, and dude, even at time, Stand out two assists. I know it is minutes away. Pablo and I will discuss how Kobe Bryant's legacy could impact the Super Bowl. What's next for Phillip Rivers if he does not return to Los Angeles? Did Tom Brady take advice from Joe Montana? And Vernon Maxwell is trolling jazz fans, so you probably want to stay tuned. I am sure they have trolled him before. This week, our NBA Wednesday doubleheader tips off. Nets hosting the Pistons. Then we will head to Rockets Trailblazers. And this week, our NBA Saturday primetime matchup is a big Eastern Conference battle. Sixers and Celtics. Our coverage begins with a jump. 8 o'clock Eastern. We are your pregame show on ESPN and the ESPN app. And we are coming to you live right now from the plaza in front of the Staples Center overlooking all the memorial tributes. I'm here with Zach Lowe and Matt Barnes. And Zach, the global reach of Kobe Bryant, it's not just people here in L.A. or in the U.S. mourning for him, right? No, it's everywhere. I mean, it's you talk to Mano Ginobili and, and his Argentinian mates. You talk to people. I mean, he's the most popular player in China other than Yao ever. Um, 
you know, when I go abroad every summer, there's one jersey, no matter how far removed we are from his playing <laughs> days, that outnumbers all, probably all other jerseys combined, I think. And that's Kobe. And LeBron got like was starting to get toward the clear number two, but it's not close. Well, I mean, I think the Laker brand as a whole speaks for itself, the, the lineage and the history and what they've meant to this city and the league. But like I said, when you get someone like Kobe who's been able to transcend the game, uh, do so much for the game, um, you know what I mean? It, may, it makes sense to be a global, you know, superstar. He could speak five or six languages, of course, spent part of his time growing up in Italy. Just last month, he was trash-talking Luka Doncic in Slovenian. And when I asked Luka, how's his accent? He said, it's really good because that's Kobe. He didn't do anything halfway. We're going to leave you here with some more shots of the plaza. People mourning a man they can't imagine is gone.